0: Before we get on to the sermon, really important announcement I forgot, you're like, man, by the way, this morning's sermon's called Live Mic, so in case you were like wondering, uh, all these things that are just kind of popping up uh, randomly, it's because it's a live microphone, and you can do whatever you want when you have a live microphone. Speaking of which, this one's to honor Corey Carr, in case you haven't heard, he's pregnant. Well, I mean, he's not pregnant, his wife is pregnant. But anyway, uh, March... And we're having twins? No? Maybe not. (laughs) If you don't know Corey, uh, if you don't know his wife, Jenny, uh, please go and find him. Give him a hug later. Give him an attaboy and go find his wife and tell her congratulations. She's really excited what God is doing and thankful for your leadership here in our church. Ben, uh, before we get into the sermon, you and Corey did fantastic today. I'm just going to say that. It's going to be recorded. usually record the 8 o'clock service anyway. But uh, this morning's music... I don't know about you, but, man, it seemed like it was on point today. It just uh, it did my, my, my soul wonders. The most dangerous thing you could give somebody, the most potentially dangerous thing you could ever give somebody is a live microphone. Like when Walter's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to talk for a little bit. I'm like, I trust you, Walter. Where'd he go? he ran out. He's like, I had the live microphone. Like, I give students live microphones, I, like, when I see a live microphone and someone behind it, it just, it, you, no, you never know what they're going to say, ever. You know where I know that from, besides pro wrestling? Award ceremonies. Do y'all ever watch award ceremonies and, like, someone's talking? Uh, for example, I was watching, uh, I was watching one, I've, I've told the students about this one before, uh, a few years back, like, I learned that you never, ever, ever give Kanye West a live microphone, Ever. Because he will, number one, he'll take it and he'll start talking about Beyonce. Because Beyonce's I don't know, whatever. I don't listen to her. Uh, and then number two, he'll say that he's running for president. So if you don't like who we're voting for this year, in four more years, you get Kanye West. I learned that. That's true. It was on TV. Number two, do y'all remember years ago the saying, you like me, you really like me? You remember that? You like me. You really like me. Sally Fields was accepting her Oscar. And, and I guess out of all of her years, she finally felt like validated for what she did. One of, one of my favorite ones was James Cameron, director of the Titanic. It sank in real life. It sank in the movies, but in the box office, it soared. And then for the Oscars, I mean, the Academy Awards, they were littered with awards for that, for that movie. And when he accepted his Oscar for Director of the Year, he gave a normal kind of speech. he say, I'd like to thank my, you know, my church family. I'm just kidding. I'd like to thank my, my cast and my crew and Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm looking at you. And like, he's thanking all these people, and it's a run-of-the-mill deal until finally at the very end of his, his acceptance speech, he shouts, I'm the king of the world. And then to make it even more awkward, this is what makes me believe that he watches pro wrestling, he starts wooing to the audience. He's like, woo! He's just going crazy. I'm like, there's your director of the year. Congratulations. But I don't think anything is more awkward or, or more dangerous, with a, like exemplary of a live microphone, than this next clip that I'm about to show you. In 2003... There was a documentary that came out, and, and back then, documentaries weren't, uh, they weren't really popular. Now, if you go on Netflix, there's all sorts of award-winning documentaries. People spend hours and hours on documentaries watching them. You see, uh, you, you, like you, in fact, channels now are devoted to documentaries and, and information. Well, this particular fellow, which I don't particularly care for his work or his stance, but he was filming a documentary called Bowling for Columbine. 2003, and it was based on guns and violence, and in the backdrop was the Columbine Massacre from the 1990s. And so with all of that being said, they give him the award for, uh, for Documentary of the Year, which would catapult him to superstardom and give him a live microphone the rest of his life. But this next clip, this is the reason why you don't give people live microphones, and this is the reason why there's wrap-up music when, when someone starts talking. Go on and check out this clip. We we live in a time where we have a man sending us to war for fictitious reasons. Whether it's the fictitious of duct tape or the fictitious of orange alerts. We are against this war, Mr. Bush. Shame on you, Mr. Bush. Shame on you. And anytime you've got the poke. Imagine sitting in the audience. Like I don't know if you saw any of their faces. Like the crowd was just like, is he really? Is he really saying what I think he's saying about you know the president and, and 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 you know we're taught as believers to honor those that are in authority. And then is he really saying those things? I can't can't believe what he's saying. And like he his whole entourage of folks that were on film with him uh, or that helped create that project were sitting there or standing there with him. They were just smiling like, we don't know what we're doing here. And then all of a sudden he starts talking. And then some of them are like, what? Again, the most potentially dangerous thing you could ever give somebody is a live microphone. I mean, we don't don't believe that though, do we? Like we don't live like a live microphone is the most dangerous thing that we could ever have, do we? Because some of us, we're, we're sitting here this morning and you're like, James, this doesn't really apply to me. I'll never be at an awards show. I'm never going to be the person that's giving something. And if I am given something, I'm not going to go there and, and say some weird stuff on a microphone, am I? But we don't live like we're aware of the significance or the effects that the microphones in our lives have on people. And have on our circles and the people that we come into contact with or the destruction that they leave in their wake, do we? And I know this because of of at least three things. I know this because I have teenagers walking into our student ministry and they are hurt because of someone using a microphone in their lives in a very ill-timed or or inappropriate way. And so I have students that walk into my, my student ministry and they're hurting and they're like, I, I, I need someone to listen to me because I've got some hurts in my life. I know this because of the countless meetings that I have that can be summed up in the same way. And I think Walter hit it very well earlier. A live microphone gone bad. Got a meeting tonight. I'm really excited about it. Like we, we, I don't know about you, but there's so many meetings that I, that I go to. And it's like someone's microphone like they, that they're using, all of a sudden it just goes bad. And it's like, I wouldn't be having this meeting right now and wasting 30 minutes to an hour of my life if you would have your stuff together. And I also know this. Because of the news and the social media rants that you see, the stuff that you see on Facebook, the stuff that you see on CNN, the stuff that you see on Fox News or that you watch on The O'Reilly Factor or that you you hear on AFR, the stuff that you hear and are, are bombarded with all the time all the different biases that exhibit self-interest instead of grace and peace. You know what? I'm sick of it. I'm sick of all of it. And right about now, my friend Jeffrey Grindle has got his finger ready to get that mute button. Because like, where's James going to go with this? I'm sick of all this stuff. I'm sick of people's microphones going bad. I'm sick of like the way that we live our lives that aren't for Jesus. And I'm not talking about us in here. I'm talking about the whole world has gone mad. They've gone bonkers. They've gone crazy. Jeffrey was telling me just this morning, uh, you, you were telling me about a, a woman poisoned her baby so that she could get her husband back. Is that what it was? Who, who does that? That's stupid. And I think of these things and like I see, and so I know that and you felt that, haven't you? Like you felt like the significance of like when someone's speaking into your life, like all these hurts that start happening. Like you're sitting there right now and you're like, I know exactly how that feels, James. I know how that feels in my workplace. I know how that feels in my family. Or maybe maybe you're like, I know how that feels here in my church or in my small group. Maybe it's the barbs of a friend's words or, or the slip of the tongue of a family member. Or or maybe it's something that you yourself have said and you regret to this day. You're like, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Why did I say that? Someone else was writing that dangerous line of a live microphone. His name is Paul, and I want you to flip with me to Ephesians chapter six. We'll be in verses 18 through 20. There'll be a, another story <coughs> that I'll read this morning from the book of Acts, and I'll tell you about that in a little bit. And then there'll be a few scriptures from Isaiah that I won't have on the screens for you, but you can write them down. There's plenty of white space on your worship guides to take notes. But here it is. Paul is writing this fine line with a microphone. He, he, he's a guy that's got it all. He, he had it all. He literally had it all. He had a well-paying job, well-respected job. He had the best training in the world, very brilliant, smart guy, very well-connected, and then all of a sudden, very eloquent, may I add, and then all of a sudden, like, Jesus changes his life, and then now he begins to, okay, now what do I use this microphone for? Do I use it for myself, or do I use it for Jesus? He begins to use it for Jesus. Jesus. The problem is that he had a live microphone and the world wanted to silence him. It seems like every time that we're using a live microphone properly, people want to mute us. People want to silence us. People want to just go over here for a little bit because we can't handle it. So that's kind of where we pick up here with Paul in Ephesians chapter six. Because these are the days where we've got to take our stand. These are the days of attack. So Paul encourages us here in these next few verses. What do you do with a live microphone? Look at verse 18 with me. He says, "...with every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit and stay alert in this, with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints." I've highlighted a few words there for you because if you you look at, and this is, what's interesting is verses 18 through 20 is actually kind of a run-on sentence for Paul. He has a habit of, of, of rambling and doing one subject in a lot of different types of verbs and a lot of different types of parts of speech, and he throws it all together into big clauses, into one big sentence. So verses 18 to 20 is really one big sentence. But if you look at just this one that we have in the English, You see that he mentions the word all three times. Now in the Greek, it's four times. And that's why we've highlighted the word every. Because Paul's using the word all. He's like, okay, we've just talked about spiritual armor. Like these are the days of attacks. These are the days you're going to get attacked at home. You're going to get attacked at work. You're going to get attacked in your family, your extended family. This person's not going to like you. This person's not going to like you. This person doesn't want to hear what you have to say anymore and you're going to get attacked from these different angles. And Paul's like, here's the spiritual warfare that's going to happen. It's real, and it is happening because Satan doesn't want the church to prevail, and yet Jesus is victorious, and so we will, but sometimes we forget that. And so Paul's like, hey, to help you get some of your excitement back, to help you get some of your courage back, here is some armor that you need. But in all of these things... You need to pray. And all of these things, look at, with every prayer and request, pray at all times in the spirit. And, and that's a really cool phrase and we don't have time to dive into that. But he's saying I, you to get through anything with the microphone that you have, the microphone that I've got, Paul specifically talking about, we've got to pray all the time, at all times, everywhere, all the time. And so if you can't make it here at nine o'clock, that's, that's okay, that's fine. You pray at home. You pray at work while I'm driving. You pray while you're driving while I'm in the bathroom. You know, some of my best prayers are in the bathroom. Like you pray wherever you can pray. All the time. There's no excuse not to pray. Not one. Well, I, I, I got tired. That's dumb. I forgot. That's, that's dumb. I didn't have time. That's a cop out. Paul's like, pray all times. I don't like that he says here, maybe this is you too that he says, intercession for all the saints. I don't like that, because that means that I've got to pray for the people that I don't like, for the people that rub me the wrong way, for the people that rile me up, for the people that consequently get on my nerves or make me sick or help make me rack up doctor bills. I went to the doctor Thursday. Not because of being sick. But because of some of these people's microphones going bad, and Paul's like, "You pray for those people too. They need your prayer. You're not better than they are." So after all these spiritual weapons, all this spiritual armor of Christian warfare, with all of this praying, we get this. We get this next verse. We get this. This. We get this big idea, this one main idea where everything kind of ties together and everything that we're going to look at in these next few minutes are going to tie together into this one phrase. Make your voice matter for Christ. Like Paul's here saying, hey, I'm going to use my voice to make it matter for Christ. We're going to see it a little bit more in verse 19 and verse 20. Our chairman of the deacons was up here just a little bit ago and he was saying, hey, I want you to make your voice matter for Christ. And if, if anything else in your whole day you don't do, at least at nine o'clock, I know that you're going to make your voice matter for Christ when you pray to God through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And things are going to begin to change when you're praying for yourself and you're praying for others and you're praying for the church. Things are beginning to change. Paul's like, I want you to know this. Because when we pray, our our efforts become preciously valuable. Maybe you haven't prayed today. Maybe you haven't prayed in a while. Maybe, maybe you do forget to pray. Because so I, get, I get busy. But like when you pray, now your efforts become preciously valuable. Those moments, whether they're five minutes or five hours, like those are, those are times when you're sitting at the feet talking with God. The God of the universe and there's a difference between praying for vain things and, and talking with God. But anyway, look, look at verse 19. Follow along with me here in verse 19. He says, Pray also for me, that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known the boldness, with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Like this word for boldness here literally means, literally means quote, fearless, confident, freedom, in speaking. Like he wants fearless, confident freedom in speaking. That's what he wants. I don't know if any of you out there today need to be bold. You might not need to be. I need to be bold. Like this sermon here, I've been wrestling with and not wanting to do. I was telling Peggy the other day, I haven't wanted to do this sermon since January. And I put it off and I put it off and I'm like, no God, no God, no God, no God, no God. It has been beating me senseless. What month are we in, August? Eight months. And finally, God says, it's time. I need to be bold. I don't know if any of you need to be bold in your workplaces or in your family or school, color guard, band, sports. I have no clue. Paul's like, if you want to be bold, you need to pray for it. Because when you are praying for boldness, you're saying, God, I want to be fearless and with freedom with what, however I speak. That's what I want. Paul's like, pray for me and pray for boldness that I may speak with boldness. He wants God's message of truth, of the good news, of this call to live for Christ, to be bold and to go out boldly. And he, you know, he has a message and he wants it waterford and crystal clear. He's like, I want this to be crystal clear for everyone to see and for everyone to understand, and for everyone to know. They need to get it. Above everything else, they need to get this message. He will go on trial in Rome. He will be in their court at one point after he writes this. He'll be in front of the world's biggest influencers. Powerful, powerful people. He's like, I want to use my microphone and my message well for Christ. I want to make my voice matter for Christ. What's interesting is that Rome... In Rome, at this time, that they, they thought Christians were a sect of the Jews, like an offshoot of the Jewish people. Jewish people thought that Christians were heretics, and Paul's like, I know I'm going into this really strange place where everything's going to be battling all against me, and I need boldness, because there's no way this message is going to be able to come out unless I'm bold. He's like, pray for my microphone. You see it there when he says, pray also for me, that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth. He's like, I want my microphone for Christ to be bold. I want it to matter. Did you know? Did you know that Paul was once called Mercury? Did you know that? If any of you know your mythology, then you understand that Mercury was the Roman god of poetry of money, and of speech. Flip with me for just a moment, if you can, to Acts chapter 14. Talk to you for a moment of a time when Paul was using his microphone. Starts in verse 8. In Lystra, or Lystra, a man without strength in his feet, lame from birth, who had never walked, sat and heard Paul speaking. After observing him closely and seeing that he had faith to be healed, Paul said in a loud voice, he used his microphone and said, stand up straight on your feet. And the man jumped up and started to walk around. As the man was coming to him, Paul didn't lay his hand on him. Paul didn't pray for you. Like Paul said, hey, stand up. And all of a sudden this man was healed. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in the form of men. Look at this in verse 11. The gods have come down to us in the form of men. And then look at what they say in verse 12. And they started to call Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes or Mercury because he was the main speaker. They began to say these things. These these crowds of people, they began to say these things because Paul was literally using his microphone to make Jesus matter in the life of that man. And he's like, you know what? Other people are going to see what happens here and maybe they'll believe in Jesus too. And they're like, you must be a God. I can just imagine him like hitting this face on his microphone at that moment. Really? You missed him. Mercury has the old Norse root, which means to mark. Like if you, were to, if you were to say mercury, it means to mark, or has the idea of to mark, that Paul's microphone would leave a mark. Verse 15, it says, Paul says, men, why are you doing these things? We are men also, look at this, we are men also, With the same nature as you, and we are proclaiming good news to you that you should turn from these worthless things to the living God. Like these people were coming to sacrifice animals all of a sudden, so now they weren't saying, Hey, you're a God. You're God. How cool. Like now they're not saying, hey, I want your autograph. They're saying, hey, we're going to sacrifice now to you our animals that we've paid for and groomed and grown up and stuff. Like we're going to sacrifice these things to you, Paul, because like you're so cool. And you, your microphone is great and amazing. And you're not weird like Michael Moore. And so like we just want to sacrifice to you or sacrifice Michael Moore. Well, we just want to sacrifice to you. I regret now saying that because we record this 8 o'clock message. We're not going to sacrifice Michael Moore. Anyway, so I don't know how many of us would have done the same thing that Paul did if we were in his shoes. Because if someone comes up to me and is like, of boy, James, you're good, man. Let me give you money. Let me give you prizes. Let me give you gifts. Let me give you whatever, whatever, whatever. Man, I like money. I like prizes. That's cool. None of you have ever sold out, I'm sure. And yet Paul's like, hey, it doesn't matter about the fame. It doesn't matter about the notoriety. It doesn't matter about the money. Paul, Paul at this point needed it. He's like, we are the same as you are. We are men with the same nature as you. And then, he's, then he turns his mic and he's like, hey, I want to remind you why we're doing this. I want to talk to you to turn from the worthless things and turn to the living God. How great. Make your voice matter for Christ. The rest of the story is that the people, still, they sacrificed the animals. Like, it didn't matter what they said. They sacrificed the animals. And then the Jewish people came and stoned Paul and Barnabas at this point. They thought that they were dead. They walked away, like, the, the Jewish people left. And when they got done and picked themselves up off of the, the ground underneath the rocks, they went on to plant more churches. Sometimes our microphones, and we use them for Jesus. It doesn't turn out well, but God's going to continue to use you for His mission. We're going to we need to look at verse twenty back in Philippians chapter six, uh, Ephesians chapter six. It says, "Paul says, for this, for this I am an ambassador." Like this, right here, is your verse. By the way, this is a verse that you might want you might do well to memorize that we as a church might do well to memorize. He says, For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough in him to speak as I should. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to, in him to speak as I should. Like I, I don't know like, if any other verse that you will see or read today will grip you as much as this one here. He's like, "Pray For this I am an ambassador. For this I've got a live microphone, and I'm an ambassador for this. Now, Y'all understand what an ambassador is, correct? I've preached on an ambassador before with our students. I had to do a little bit more research, and I dug up some articles back from the 1500s and 1600s just so I could understand a little bit more about what an ambassador was. An ambassador, a few things that you should know. is a representative of a ruling authority. In other words, they have the representation of the authority sending them. Like, they literally, like, if, if, if Corey were to go to the Southern Baptist Convention, which we've done before, when it was in New Orleans, it was closer, when we go to the Southern Baptist Convention, like, we're ambassadors for our church. We are, we are, we are working on behalf of our church, First Baptist Church of Bay St. Louis. We have the authority of the folks that are sending us. We represent those that are sending us, and we have the full authority that they do. Now, a few rules about them, and there's fascinating articles about this you can find online, but there, there, were, there are rules for ambassadors about their etiquette, how they act, how they talk, what they say. You know, do they bring their wife to this particular meeting? Do they not bring their wife to this particular meeting? There's, there's rules about you know, they can't be too old. Uh, in some places, they can't be too old uh, for, for fear of, of being ill or getting ill in the course of their time. And they can't be too young for fear of being immature. And I don't know what in the world that's talking about morons thank you they can't be too old they can't be too young like there was one about like could they have hair could they not have hair and they were like hey you know bald person's okay so walter'd be all right like they have all sorts of rules about about this kind of stuff what do you do with your gifts like there's a uh there was a european article there was a, an article from europe that i read uh 1700s that said that their, uh, that their ambassadors, when they, when they got gifts, when they came back home to the homeland, uh, they had to like report those gifts and give those gift, gifts to the, uh, to the government. So like if, uh, hey, here is, here's a Fabergé egg, oh my gosh, there's a Fabergé egg, like you would have to give that to your, to your country. Here's a hundred bucks, oh man, that's great, and I have to give it, it's terrible, but there's rules, there's all sorts of rules. The Romans called them orators. Before, before the word ambassador was ever talked about uh, in, in Roman uh, language, uh, the Romans in Latin, they would, they would call them orators because these representatives had to speak well. Their role, let me tell you about their role. Let me give you a quote from Le Escapelier de Nourard. He's a Frenchman in the 18th century who wrote this. He said, The welfare of nations is in the hands of ambassadors. They arm or pacify nations. Like, everything rests for countries, at times, with those who are ambassadors. Paul says here, he's like, I am an ambassador. Who's he an ambassador for? He's like, I am an ambassador for Christ. There's a time, I'm going to read you just a few verses, and you don't need to flip there. This is one of those that I want you to write down. In Isaiah chapter 30, there was a time where God's people needed help. They needed welfare so they're going to send an ambassador out. And so you would think that God's people at this point, of all of their history, if you've, if you've walked through the Bible a little bit, through all the history, you would think that they would ask God, that they would send an ambassador to God, like the, they would send a prophet or someone to speak on behalf of them to God. But in Isaiah chapter 30, verses 1 through 4, it says, Woe to this rebellious children. This is the Lord's declaration. They carry out a plan, but not mine. They make an alliance, but against my will, piling sin on top of sin. They set out to go down to Egypt without asking my advice in order to seek shelter under Pharaoh's protection and to take refuge in Egypt's shadow. But Pharaoh's protection will become your shame and refuge in Egypt's shadow, your disgrace. And then he says, for, this, for, though, this, uh, for though his princes are at Zoan, and his ambassadors reach as far as Haynes, everyone will be ashamed because of a people who can't help. Of all all the people that God's people could go back to, they went back to a a people, a place, a people group, a, a time of history that was notorious for slavery and problems and under the thumb and worries and stresses and fears. And they're like, we would rather go back and feel sheltered and safe underneath the the regiment of Egypt than to be free in Christ, or to be free in God. How sad. A couple of chapters later, in chapter 33, the prophet continues, Listen, their warriors cry loudly in the streets, the messengers of peace, or the ambassadors, they weep. Bitterly, the highways are deserted, travel has ceased, an agreement has been broken, cities despised, and human life disregarded, the land mourns and withers, Lebanon is ashamed and decayed. Sharon is like a desert. Bashan and Carmel shake off their leaves. He's saying everything because you sent the ambassadors to the wrong people and entrusted in the wrong things, and you, 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 you used your microphones poorly, everything's gonna be desolate. Everything. Well, why is my life so horrible right now? Because you trusted in the wrong things. Why is my small group splintering? Because you've trusted in the wrong things. Why is there turmoil at home? Because you're putting your uh, efforts and attentions into the wrong things. God's like, I'm not going to honor that. But listen to what he says here in the next verse. Isaiah 33, verse 10. He says, now I will rise up, says the Lord Now I will lift myself up. Now I will be exalted. There are times when we use our microphones poorly and we don't let them matter for Christ and we make them matter for ourselves, and you know what? We will come to ruin. And it could be in your life, it could be in your family, it could be in your job, in your school, in your workplace, in your health. Like you're going to come to ruin when you trust in the wrong things. It's a promise and the Lord will rise up. I I, I looked for an encouraging verse in Isaiah about ambassadors, and I I couldn't find one. But I go back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 20. The one rule of ambassadors is that you couldn't touch them. You could not harm an ambassador. You could not put them in jail. And if you look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 20, you see here, it says, I'm an ambassador in chains. What's the difference here? Because he's doing it for Christ. So guess what? Even if you are using your microphone for Christ, things might not go well for you. You might have to rack up some doctor bills for stress and anxiety. And you, and, and you might have people whose feelings get hurt. And your pocketbook might not look great because your 401k now, you're investing in mission work instead of on something to fatten you up. He's like, I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough in him to speak as I should. Our voices are always in the grid of Christ. Our lives always represent Christ. We either represent Christ poorly or well. Like with the microphone of your life, right now today, you are either representing Christ well or you're representing Him poorly. Because everything of all life, all life, it doesn't matter if you believe in God or not. It doesn't matter if you follow Him or not. doesn't matter if you're far away or not. doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. doesn't matter if you're big or tall. doesn't matter if you're old or young. doesn't matter any of these things. Everything that you do, everywhere that you go, the grid of Christ exists, and it is there, and that is the benchmark that everything is held to. And so as you're walking in just a little bit to wherever you're going, we have Sunday school in a little bit, wherever you're going, You're using your microphone. Are you using it well? Or are you using it poorly? A question I want to leave you with is this. God has given you a live microphone with your life. God has given you a live microphone with your life. How will you use it? Will you pray with me?